listening to White the Hey, what's up, Michael Vincent? Got a special. Hey. <laughs> you got a special guest at that desk next to you too. He's a TV star personality. CEO <laughs> founder Craig Fuller's on Bloomberg earlier today. He, he is. He, he and he was on Bloomberg. Yeah, we're going to get to him in a minute here. Unless we want to cut to him right now. I, I thought you had some things you want to talk about. Hey, great afternoon to you, my friend. Yeah, no, good stuff. Hey, uh, so today's episode, this is this is going to be a big one. We do have a lot of stuff to get to. And as I mentioned, Craig was just on Bloomberg and he decided to jump on the desk with us. So we'll get to him quickly. We also have Wayne Craig and Dave Abels, the president and CEO of the Dart Network. They did that over the road thing, driving for five days, over 2000 miles Cross America, Dave Abels wanted to see what truck drivers face in America, so he'll join us later. Stan Duncan, he's going to talk about mental health, and he's going to play it forward, too. He's brought an instrument with him, Michael Vincent. Yeah, I know he did, and I was supposed to bring in my bass, and I and I did not because I figured we didn't have a, an amp to plug it into, but I've been corrected by our production crew that I can bring it in, and we could actually uh, jam together on, on, on air, so that'd be pretty cool. Never doubt them. Calvin Mitchell, he's also a truck driver. He just signed on with Warner, just got through trucking school. Find out what that's like during a pandemic. And you may have read John Paul Hampstead's story on Blue Grace yesterday and about racism that happened on there. We're talking to a couple employees from them. We have a statement from Blue Grace and their parent company. We'll get to all that a little bit in the show, but you know what? Let's uh, let's shout out to our sponsors real quick, right, dude? This episode yeah, absolutely. Is, this episode is brought to you by Pilot Flying J Axle Fuel Card, which provides the credit you need with fast approvals and money back. There are no transaction fees and no monthly fees, so sign up for yours today at AxleFuelCard.com. Axle Fuel Card keeps fleets on a roll. It's subject to credit approval, and Michael Vincent, like many things, terms and conditions do apply. Always. There's always terms and conditions. Right. Read the fine print. Read, read the fine print. And Chris Jolly says, thank God it's Friday, everyone. Really looking forward to today's show. Amanda Miller said, so excited to hear from Wayne. We're going to talk about bugs on a windshield, but let's move right past that because Craig Fuller is here right now. He's Freightwave CEO and founder. Craig, what's going on? How's 2020 treating you? 2020 has been a crazy year for everybody. Um, it's uh, interesting uh, from a freight perspective. Uh, this has been a roller coaster of a year, but I have to say, Zach Strickland, you were wrong yet again. <laughs> the freight market has not only rebounded, blew through 9,300. We're over 11,500 right now. It is on fire. <laughs> it is on fire. It, it is, is on fire. so <laughs> on fire. Burn your hair. Yes. Light it on fire. It's insane. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's, I don't know if it's because he's always wrong or he's just, he he he's he's kind of he's kind of chicken, you know. He's kind of got that that mentality. I mean, that he's scared. He's a little scared because <laughs> I've been talking to him over the last few weeks. I've been saying, "Man, it's going up," and I show him this analysis. I say, "We're breaking eleven five, and he's like, "I don't see." It. And then I we think do. He's and cynical then, so, because of the employment numbers. I yeah, think when you I think read the headline yeah. unemployment numbers, that's where he seems to draw. Because in a typical economic down cycle, when you see the unemployment numbers as high as they are. Your assumption is the economy is is going to go through a tremendous slowdown, and it, and it has. But what people are not factoring in is a lot of the jobs lost are jobs that people now with the government unemployment are making more money than they did before. Right, right. And a lot of the businesses that have closed, which is definitely unfortunate, uh, th- those businesses don't drive a ton of freight demand. And so – very true this is why i'm bullish and one thing about the american consumer is if you give them money they spend it and if they can't spend it at concerts or travel 
They're spinning it on trampolines. They're spinning it on RVs. They're spinning it on good American lumber, which we put into our house. <laughs> is, is this what you were? Is very this passionate what, about that. Very passionate about that lumber. I love lumber, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. I'm very bullish myself. Uh, but do you think some of these volumes here, just real quick, are part of, uh, as Zach and I have been talking about, kind of priming the, the pump for industry and they'll kind of slack off a little bit here, kind of settle yeah. down a little? Because we're way above 218. We're, we're, we're definitely above 218. Uh, we've seen a massive acceleration in volumes. but. Uh, while we're seeing the the curve sort of flatten, uh, in other words, we're not seeing higher growth right. uh, to the level that we were two weeks ago, we are seeing a, a level of maintaining that. I think that's going to continue through the summer. I mean, the one thing that I – and I talked about this on Bloomberg this morning. The one thing that I'm watching is back to school. Like the question is going to be – what happens in a back-to-school environment? Because there is amount of freight that surges because of back-to-school. And if if people are not going back to school uh, to the degree that they were before, we may see some slowdown. A counter-argument to that is that schools are having to address social distancing. Yes. And yeah, very they're true. having to outfit their schools with new supplies that they didn't have to consider before. So Back to school is really what I'm watching uh, right now to sort of get a sense on whether this slows, we have a significant slowdown or not. Yeah, it's, it's a solid point. Talking to Jason Miller yesterday on, on freight forecasting, he's associate professor uh, logistics at Eli Broad School at Michigan State. And he said in the fall, what they're looking at doing is they're, they're definitely coming back. And what they're looking at is, say, a class has is held twice a week. Half the class comes in on Tuesday, the other half on Thursday. It's videotaped, so half the class is watching it virtually, and the other half is, is actually in a classroom. That, those type of things. And My kids' schools at. are doing the same thing. Oh, okay. I, I, but I got to tell you. I am super jealous of my kids having that opportunity. Think about that. Going to school two days out of a week. Yeah. <laughs> and not one of, one of my sons, his yeah. school, it's two days a week. And on Friday, the whole school is shut down. There is no school on Friday. Wow. Why did we not get that? <laughs> I don't that know. Gig? <laughs> I don't I'd know. like to know. Hey, Somebody Craig, Scott, <laughs> Scott Hadley in the comments, he's got a question for you. He said, Craig, is the ag business that drives the markets? Is it the ag business that drives the markets more than auto housing imports, et cetera? So he wants to know how important ag is in all this. Ag is really important. I mean, ag agriculture in terms of ton miles. Now, this includes rail. So we have to sort of factor that uh, a lot of the bulk commodities in ag go by rail or barge. Uh, but 25% of all ton miles, according to the Bureau of Transportation Stats, which is a big government entity that tracks this stuff, 25% uh, of all ton miles is related to agriculture. So agriculture is an enormous demand, but it's only 25%. Significant. And certainly what we're seeing in terms of produce demand is, is quite high right now. But what I think this is suggesting is that the surges we're currently seeing are not only uh, ag demand related to produce yields and, and, and such, we're also seeing the broader economy come back. And yeah. it is encouraging. I'm excited. Autos, you know, autos in terms of trucking volumes are approximately 7.5%, and that includes the parts in the autos. Uh, we are starting to see some higher demand surges uh, around Detroit. Yep, absolutely. Around places like Kansas City, yes. where they have these big auto production plants, which are suggesting that the auto plants 
are starting to resume activity. Yeah, you're seeing changes in the in the volume from the different markets, right? It was very obvious there was there was the coasts and then very DC centric uh, origin. Uh, first of all, destination and origin, but now we're starting to see uh, center of the country and, and manufacturing volume start to pick up. So there's definite change there. Which is hardcore manufacturing American blood, sweat, and tears going into producing these products is creating freight yeah. demand like we've never seen. 2020 yeah. is going to be a banner year, I predict. I think there was a lot of cynicism, but I think what people don't aren't oh, considering. Guys, this uh, is, oh, sorry. Hold on one second. Dave Abels is on the line with us. Our first guest is dialing up, too. Hey, hey Dave. It's, it's, it's Dave Abels and Wayne Craig. They just did a the fifth wheel cross-country tour. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us on the air today on uh, on What the Truck with Dooner the Dude. And guess who's captive at the desk right now, too? It's Craig Fuller. All right. Awesome deal. Hey, Dave. You got Dave here and Wayne's on here with me. Wow. Hey, I, uh, before yeah. Craig's interview is still going on, I was going to ask him right before you guys came on. Craig, what do you think the hardest part would be about being in a truck for five days for 2,500 miles with uh, with Wayne Craig? Well, I, I if I saw the pictures, and I haven't uh, had the chance to talk to Wayne or Dave, but I saw a la- pictures of Alaska or a state. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Alaska State. And I, I would like to trade uh, the job that I'm doing right now, sit at the desk to go to Alaska. Alaska. You guys went, didn't go to Alaska, did you guys? <laughs> And we were, I mean, I think we were, we were lost for a period of time. (laughs) Too funny. Yeah, we had, I've been to Alaska five times, so I joke around a little bit about that. Oh, yo, he's been to Alaska five times. Um, what, what, they didn't make it though in a twenty one hundred. They went twenty one hundred miles in like five days. So yeah, Yeah. so there's an old. They were in like Rosaka, Georgia, dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I probably yeah, we were, would uh, pass on that. So, hey, Dave, what is you? So, the reason you went on this fact finding tour was you work for the Dart Network. You're at this 3PL. You hear concerns from drivers. You hear you hear concerns from customers. All different people. So, you wanted to to do something we talk about a lot, which is have some empathy, right? You wanted to see what was going on, boots on the ground, on the road. What did you learn over these past five days? Well, things have changed a lot over the years. So to your point, you know, I wanted to see what the drivers are going through. Obviously, the entire country has coveted our drivers over the past 8, 12 weeks with this COVID-19. Stay with for a little bit until we get that fixed. There's, I, we, have, we can't hear it. What's wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. The dude, I kind of have to narrate to the to dude and Michael Vincent. They can't hear you through their IFB, but keep going. I'll fill them in. Right. If there's any good points, I'll lead the question to them. All right. Okay, so anyway, Thank no you, problem, but... Basically, where I was at was I wanted to experience it with them, right? So it's not fair for any organization to expect my workers to be out there on the front line and me not be out there with them. I heard a lot of things about rest areas being closed. heard a lot of things about truck stops not having their proper amenities during this time. So I wanted to go out. I wanted to see that for myself. And I wanted to chronicle it. Wow, pow- powerful stuff. Uh, they th- so the guys just lost your signal, but what Dave was saying was that he wanted to t- he was wanted to chronicle what was going on in America by doing this road trip with Wayne Craig. Correct. Wow. Did you and, guys? Uh, and then Tim, you know what what the feedback is, right? So I, I talked to the reps from my rep from Pilot, my rep from Flying J. I've talked to the Truck Stops of America reps about things I saw in their truck stops. 
Um, and, and this is not specific to the Dart Network. It's for every driver at every company in the country. I've got your back. I was watching what was going on in the road, and I'm giving those feedback to the right people so we can try to affect change. Excellent stuff. You know what, Dave? I'm going to dial you right back. They said they've lost your, your no. audio no, hey, signal. We got, we got them back. We got them back. Oh, okay. Now. We're good. Okay. Oh, they can hear They're you. Okay. And Perfect. We can do them now. My, I, I had one question, though, and, that, and that's really interesting and good stuff to get that feedback. Uh, but how's a, how's a hitchhiker situation out there on the roads these days? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, we, we used that little blurb about me being a hitchhiker. People kept throwing that out there because I was riding along. But you know something? I asked Wayne that. I said, Wayne, you know, maybe I wasn't the best driver, but 25 years ago, there was a lot of hitchhikers out there. And from time to time, I'd help them out. And Wayne said, you know something, Dave? You don't see that anymore. There just there isn't anybody out there. So I guess I was the only guy hitching a ride. <laughs> Craig, you ever hitchhiked before? I have in Mexico, believe it or not. Oh wow! And and in Clarendon, Texas, I had a truck broke. Uh, well, I wasn't hauling an eighteen uh, a rig, but at my Dodge Ram had a flat tire uh, twenty miles outside of a town, Clarendon, and I hitched a ride into town. Nice. It's before the day nice. of cell phones. I so like it's the only like, oh yeah, yeah. I, so there's no do. cell phones, and so like yeah, you're out out in middle of West Texas. How else are you going to get your car fixed? Yeah, exactly. So I took a I hitchhiked a ride into town. And then in Mexico, during spring break, we uh, ended up hitchhiking. Nice, that was nice. stupid. I used to pick up hitchhikers and then say, hey, buckle up. I'm going to try something I saw in a cartoon once. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's a, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of things you saw you in know, a cartoon. Think, wait, I, I got, we got a great video. Let's let the audience see this video real quick from your trip. It's about a minute long, but it's, it's, uh, uh, it's from there. You're, you're going to do an intro that we can narrate along as they play this thing. But roll the clip, uh, production. Hey everyone, this is Trucker Wayne with the Dart Network. We are done. 2,100 miles. I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Abel, CEO and President of the Dart Network. We pulled in here to the Lancaster Yard. Take it away. Into day five, just as uh, Wayne said, we trucked over about 2,100 miles in the last uh, five days. Just made our final delivery at Black & Decker. Wow, so that was your trip, and you're there. You're there looking dressed like Superman, Dave Abels. How, uh, what was the highlight of it, other than having to spend time with Wayne? Oh. I made it. I think just being out there and talking to different drivers and contractors, you know, and Wayne and I ate dinner in a few different locations, talked to drivers from other companies. And then I got to spend time with uh, people at our terminals. And, I, you know, I was very impressed by our Atlanta terminal. They've done a great job. It's beautiful. It's right behind the U.S. Express facility down there, which is a great facility as well. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot. And right now, things are a little tight out there. That spot market's died. We got some percentage-based drivers that weren't doing as well as they were doing maybe 12, 14 weeks ago. So I was able to kind of hear their stories and take that back to my accounting department, put some numbers to it, and, and see what they would have made if they were on our base package, which is a cent per mile package versus a percentage, to be able to educate them about certain times. Certain times is great to be on the spot market, right? Other times it's not. But we want you to be a part of the DART network year-round. So there's some of those things that maybe we're going to change for some of those drivers. 
I want them to be profitable every day they're out there, especially in situations where they're going into the truck stops like the ones I saw. Um, I'm not I'm not going to pick on anybody online, but some of those places I stopped, guys, you wouldn't want to shower. You'd want to hover over the toilet, and it wasn't the greatest location. So. That's, uh, those are interesting topics there, or interesting points and observations that you have there, especially with the rest stops. What was your observation at the actual customers? Did you see change there? Did you see any issues there? I will tell you this. That's a great, great point because we stopped at, we were at two different customers, picked up at Post in Northfield, uh, Minnesota. They actually had boxes of cereal there to give away to drivers. Very clean facilities, very welcoming environment. Then we delivered at a post location in Fairburn, Georgia. Same type of, of friendliness and, and they had great amenities there. Uh, and then we went on to a Black & Decker location. Black & Decker, same way. Very nice, very friendly, very courteous. And we were able to use the facilities at each of those locations. Now, I'm sure there's others out there, guys, that aren't that good. But shout out to both Post and Black & Decker. They were really taking care of the drivers well. So how long are you going to be doing it? How, how often are you going to be doing this, Dave? Is this going to be like a quarterly thing for you now, just jump in the truck with Wayne? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to send my vice president of fleet next. So he's going to go out for about four days and my vice president of safety. And then after we work through every executive here, then I'll jump back in again. I did get an offer and I'm going to have to do a one-off. There was a driver in Atlanta who uh, hauled some of our TJ Maxx store deliveries and she was talking about how difficult it was to unload trailers. So I said, Hey, I'll run along with you and I'll, I'll unload a trailer with you. And we'll see, because again, that's great feedback. I can give to TJ Maxx as well. So I'm going to do a one-off with her, but other than that, I'm going to rotate through the executive staff and every single executive at the dart network will spend time in a truck here in the next couple quarters. Wow. And in the comments, William Nickel, he says, Dart is a great company with great people. If you want to look up Wayne Craig on LinkedIn, you can you can look at all of his videos from this trip. It's Wayne, C-R-A-G-G. And Dave Abels, of course, of the Dart Network. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the air today. And uh, thanks for taking that trip and letting us be a part of it. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Wow. Cool so, stuff. Dinner, are, are we going to see Dave on Undercover Boss soon? It seems like he did a lot of that. Do you guys think that show is real? I think that show is so fake. Like, who doesn't recognize, like, in a bad, if you came in wearing a wig and, like, fake teeth, Craig, I think I might be like, it doesn't seem like a new audio intern. <laughs> Although, when I did wear a face mask and uh, came in with gloves one day, you had no idea who I was. Well, yeah, I thought you were like Biohazard Man. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I did look like that for a bit. <laughs> I think it's great that Dave got out there on the road. I think that's a, an important reflection. You know, he's been in that seat for a couple of months now. Uh, and so it's great that he's showing the leadership of getting out and, and behind the wheel of a truck. There's not a lot of CEOs of companies, especially as big as Dart is, that actually have, have actually gone out and done that. So kudos to him. Yeah, I agree with that. That's an excellent point, Craig. I mean, it, it is it is really, yeah, kudos to him for the executive to get out there and actually put, walk the walk, right? Yeah. I mean, they talk the talk, hey, you can do this and that, but get out there and actually experience that. And then he said, he's going out to do, he's going to have the other executives do it, which I think is a great plan. But he then he said, He's talking to another driver who talked about how difficult it was to uh, unload trailers at 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 TJ Maxx. Yeah. He's going to go out there and actually sweat with this person and 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 figure it out. That's and awesome. now he, I mean, he is the one person in the organization that can influence their interactions with TJ Maxx. Yeah. If, you know, the the having that information will arm him 
to give his sales folks and pricing folks uh, uh, the chance to have that conversation with TJ yeah. Maxx and address uh, the frustration that that driver is dealing with. Absolutely. You know, we're going to dial up Stanley. We're, we're going to dial Stanley Duncan up. He's senior recruiter at Tallgrass Freight Company. But I think, that, you know what, to your guys' point, too, uh, with some, so many companies, CEOs looking to put messaging out there, a lot of it can ring hollow if the company's not doing anything behind it. But for Dave to go out there and see what truck drivers are experiencing, it puts that much more weight behind his messaging and that much more reason behind it, too. Hey, Stan, are you there? Yeah, I am, Tim. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. You're on with, with myself, the dude. I, Craig Fuller's still at the desk. And uh, I think that you brought a guest of your own as well, didn't you? Well, I did. I'm going to um, play my box. Okay, yeah, let's hear it, man. We've been dying to hear about this since uh, you mentioned it on LinkedIn, and we were going to do our Play It Forward initiative. Well, cool. So you just want me to diddle a little bit, right? Yeah, go for it, man. Just just jam, right, Michael? What, what, what are we playing here, Stan? Hey, I'm glad, I'm glad you joined us today, Michael. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> I was talking to Craig, I was talking to Craig real quickly. He has he he's has to move on to another appointment. So um, he uh, thank you for having him on, and God bless everybody. Stay safe uh, from from Craig Fuller uh, uh, via via myself. So sorry about that, Stan. But let's hear it. Let's roll. Yeah, don't debate him either, because uh, even when you win, you lose, right? Yeah. <laughs> Always, always. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. Vincent, we need you to, to bring down a melody for this. You got to bring in the bass line. So he's got the beat going on, but we need a, we need a little melody to, to drop on top of that. Yeah, oh, we gotta I'm, have I'm really disappointed in myself for not bringing in my bass because I could have definitely dropped a nice bass line on top of that. that. That was pretty good. What are you playing there? What is it? Are you playing the cajones? Is that what you're playing? Yeah, I'm playing a cajon. I've got a couple of them. Um, I've been playing a kit for a long time, but I'm getting a little long in the tooth, so I had some carpal tunnel uh, issues. So um, my brother bought me a cajon last year, and I'm digging it. Wow. Yeah, man, nothing nothing helps carpal tunnel better than beating your hand against a wood box. Wait, for someone who doesn't know what a a cajon is, what, what is it? It is a, um, a Peruvian, I think it came out of Peru originally, Sorry. I'm sure some of it's a, it's a wooden box um, that you've got a hole in the back and it's got a plate on the front and you play it like a um, conga or a bongo. And this particular um, con uh, cajon I have has a, a, a bass pedal so I can get that. Uh. Get that. <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty cool, job. and they're they're tuned to to different. Uh, yeah, they can be tuned differently, et cetera. They're 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 pretty nice. You kind of sit on them and just and kind of play the bongos kind of under your underneath you, right? They're kind of a they're they're pretty cool. But Stan, thank you for that, man. We got a we got a band going on here, Dooner. I mean, we we've got to get something going. We got to get uh, take that Dooner and the Dude and and uh, uh, tune and and man, we've got a we've got a whole band going. We have thirty pieces going pretty soon, but. Uh, Stan, so you're very big on, on you know, uh, framing your mind and outlook positively, positively, right? A positive, uh, I read books, so, you know, positive mental imagery and so on. Uh, do you think we focus on mental health enough in, in our business? No, but I, I don't think we focus 
uh, on mental health enough in our society. Um, you know, unfortunately, I still think for many people, men in particular, it's a bit taboo. And we all struggle with the same things, and particularly in um, a pandemic and now with um, an issue that's um, way past due in identifying uh, racism in this country. You know, part of my practice, uh, uh, dude, is um, during the day, I notice how much I'm judging people. And I judge people all the time, you know, by the way they look, by the way they dress, by the car they drive, by the bumper sticker they have on the car that they drive. Uh, and I think the first um, step, a path toward awakening and awareness is to know that you do it, you know. And for me, um, acknowledging that I have hate, that I have greed, that I have delusion, a lot of delusion, by the way, Um you know, I can begin to work with it and not let it debilitate me and not let it uh, own me. Hey, Stan, you That's posted. Go ahead. Uh, you posted this Sorry. quote. We all carry with us. We all carry within us our place of exile, our crimes, our ravages. Our task is not to unleash them on the world. It is tra- to transform them in ourselves and others. That's from Albert Camus. Very, very powerful words there. Um, with that in mind, what has been on recruits' minds? What kind of conversations have you been having with people this year? This year, um, uh, it's, uh, I think, underlying all of, of, of conversation is stability. And what does that look like? Uh, how can any company, Tallgrass or any other company, provide that? Um, you know, and I'm, I'll get a, lot, a little off tangent here. Uh, stability really doesn't exist, um, particularly in our culture. We do the best we can. Um, but I was telling a friend of mine uh, this morning, uh, the Buddha talks about five precepts, about you know what's certain. Well, we're going to get old, we're going to get sick, we're going to die, and we're going to lose everything. I mean, those are our certainties. And uh, what we can control is how we respond uh, to other people. And um, by recognizing all of us, we're going to die. We're gonna, I mean, we're all going to end up in the same place. Uh, there's some liberation there in knowing that this is the case. This is, you know, it's no big deal. And allowing us to not attach so much importance to things uh, and our beliefs in particular and question those beliefs. And in the end of the day, you know, I'll, I'll go off on a tangent and, and quote the New Testament. You know, this is how you know that you're a child of God, that you love one another. Those are all excellent points, Dan, and, and, and very Zen. And I, I studied a, a bit of that, a bit of that myself, but, um, it, 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 you, you really have to reinvent yourself. Uh, well, not me reinvent yourself, but I mean, it, a professional football player doesn't go out and practice his craft one day and then expect to be perfect the rest of the season, I guess is, is my point. Right. And so even when you realize these things and you have this self-awareness and this positive attitude, as you're talking about, you've got to work on that every single day, right? It's, it's a practice. Um, you know, it doesn't come magically. Maybe it does for some, but in my case, it's a grind. Um, you know, I just have to be aware of it. And the repetition, I think, dude, is where uh, the magic comes. You just keep doing uh, a practice over and over and over. I, I posted a thing on LinkedIn this morning about smiling. Um, 
you know, a lot of people don't smile enough and if you can, and you need to work on smiling and, and, you know, there's a lot of, of neurological response to the physical act of smiling that will, um, uh, trigger dopamine and other, um, other chemicals in the brain that, that will loosen the grip of negativity. Um, but you're absolutely right. You got to practice it all the time. And, you know, that's, Apart from the course, right? I mean, we're stuck with the body and the mind that we have, but you can train your mind to to work um, in a more meaningful, um, positive way. And that's not to say that we don't have negative emotions, but we don't, you know, they don't have to control us. Stan, I always appreciate you coming on, man. And so does the, sort of the comments here. Adam Robinson says, Stan, always bringing the good vibes. Eric Serta says, Stan gets cooler every time I hear him. He says that he knows what good Jones are. And uh, you're the Phil Jackson of Freight. You know the precepts and all that stuff. Hey, if people want to learn more about you, where do they go? We'll go to tallgrassfreight.com. You can find me on LinkedIn here. I'm a big fan of you guys. So, um, you know, if you can't find me, everybody knows where Dooner and the Dude and Kevin Hill is. So I'll call them and they'll call me. But <laughs> I'll do my stand signal. Yeah, that's right. And I'm looking forward to hearing it, dude. You, so you play the bass. I play the bass and I play the uh, rhythm, electric, acoustic uh, uh, rhythm, and, and and a little bit of lead. He's just got to prove that he plays the bass. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Tim dropped me a message this morning, and he's and he said, "I'll send you a loop, but I got to hear the groove, Dan." It's like, well, dude, I'm all groove. <laughs> hey man Th- thanks again stan thanks for joining us we really appreciate it hey great to have stan on the show he's been on uh put that coffee down as well talking a lot about the what i like to talk to him about is is just mental health and gaining focus and getting that kind of clarity we don't focus on it enough so i use stan as a bit of uh, my own men- mentor as that phil jackson of freight dude Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he really is. And I was going to say a you know, very zen like attitude, uh, very very smooth, uh, and 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 I like his I like his outlook. And and we all need to do that, you know, a little bit. You know, when things get stressed, you need to realize, you know, this is this is what we're doing uh, because we have to for what is more important in your life, which is other people and loving other people and making sure you're taking care of of other people and being good to each other. Right, Tuner. That's absolutely right. And, you know, he does recruiting, too. Speaking of recruits, where our next guest, he's Calvin Mitchell. And he uh, he just he just went to school during a pandemic, trucking school during the pandemic. And now he's signed on with Warner. Hey, Calvin Mitchell, this is Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck with Freightways. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> We're good, man. We saw your uh, <laughs> Emily Zink. She's our GM of content over here. She sent us your article and we all thought it was it was really cool. So we kind of wanted to talk to a student who went through truck driving school during the middle of a pandemic and how things are going. So (laughs) how did that come about? Tell us a little bit about your circumstance and why you went to school and and what the experience was like. Well, um, it all basically started, well, of course, obviously because of the the pandemic and things like that. And, and I, I have a, a entertainment and, um, it background. And, um, of course with all the things that are happening, a lot of these things got, you just either got postponed, canceled, thrown off, things like that. And so, of course, with everybody having to stay home, um, those bills aren't going to pay themselves. So you got to figure out a way to actually accomplish that. Um, and one of the things, actually, my wife and I, a while back, were talking about the possibility of becoming maybe a husband and wife team um, doing truck driving. And uh, But, you know, you know, circumstances caused for us not to really be able to do it at that time. And then when this happened, 
my wife actually came, you know, came back to me and said, Hey, you know, perhaps maybe this might be a time we might be able to look into that. And not too far from where we live is a um, truck driving school roadmaster. And um, so my wife actually did some research, looked into it. And I said, well, Hey, if we're going to jump into it with both feet, this is probably the best time to do so. Calvin, that's a great story, man. And I, I'm going to tell you what you, so you got entertainment and it, and I'm looking at your picture with those glasses and, and that shirt, <laughs> you've got to be able to lay a groove down with some type of instrument. Am I wrong? Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I actually part of a uh, vocal, I was part of a vocal group. So, um, gotcha. I've you know, been singing since I was a kid, my parents and all that kind of stuff are in the, singing and whatnot so yeah <laughs> <laughs> we we found our singer dooner we found our we found it we found our singer but uh, seriously calvin it's an interesting story there and, and in your opinion so you just went through this and 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 obviously you did it out of i, I guess there was a desire there first right you were attracted to it but then out of uh, like you pointed out you got to pay the bills they don't pay themselves so there was a little bit of necessity there and there was this desire so hey let's give this a try but in your opinion what do you think would attract other drivers what attracted you what would attract other drivers uh, uh, other people into this driving position? Well, here's the thing. I mean, again, a lot of times, and I made mention of this in my, in my interview I did um, initially, was that a lot of times when, you, when you're looking at a situation like this pandemic, um, one of the things that you usually hear about in terms of essential workers, you're thinking, you know, um, your emergency services individuals, your police, your firefighters, your first responders, people, you know, nurses and doctors and things like that. Um, but you don't really quite think of all the ripple effects of how that impacts other areas of life. Um, and so when you consider the fact that, okay, if I'm stuck in the house and I can't go anywhere, I still got to eat. I still got to take care of myself while I'm here. And the only way that I'll be able to do that is to go to a store if there's one that's open. And the only way that that store is going to have what you need is by having drivers that are going to get those things to those stores. And, um, and that's one thing that I noticed uh, you know, it's like kind of like when you look to buy a car, you never notice that car until you're actually looking for that car. And one thing I notice is that trucks are everywhere, um, moving goods and services across this country left and right. And despite this type of a pandemic, those, those individuals, those ladies and men that are doing that, that work has to be done. And it's, um, and there's one thing that I would tell people that, you know, if you're looking for a job where, there's job security. This is definitely one of those industries that you might want to consider. Yeah. Hey, how are you digging it so far? You have, you, have you been out on the road or you through training and all that stuff? Yeah, actually I, I you know, went to roadmaster school, graduated from there, got my state, um, my, my state, did my state exam and I'm actually currently on the road right now. I did my orientation last week. I'm on the road right now with a really great trainer, uh, here in Florida. And uh, we're actually stopped at one of our distribution centers right now, so I can jump on the phone with you guys today. And um, it's, it's been it's been really really cool. I've learned a lot, even in just the week that I've been here. Um, I, I'm I'm currently, you know, of course, a, an employee here at, at Warner, um, one of the most you know you know cutting edge, top of the shelf. I mean, if you're looking for a really good company to work with, especially if you're considering truck driving. Um, Warner is definitely a good place to come to for sure, because, you know, outside of the fact that it's a great company, they've been around forever and things like that, they stress safety more than anything else, which again, when you consider you're traveling down the road with 80,000 pounds of stuff behind you, um, you know, you have families on the road, things like that. Uh, it's great to be able to have a job, pay your bills and things like that. But because you have 
that level of concern with safety more than anything else that that definitely spoke to me for sure. Calvin, that's a that's a great message, especially with so many Americans out of work looking for new jobs and new positions. Be, before we let you go, though, you, you you wouldn't mind singing something real quick for us, would you? Ah! <laughs> oh man, singing a song for you guys. Oh my goodness! Now that you ask me, I can't even think of a song to sing. I uh, know, isn't oh, that the way man. it works? <laughs> ABC. It's the hopping is one, two, three. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what to sing for you guys. Hey, I got it, man. You got to go with the first song. It's like when you're old Jackson. Nice. It's the iTunes you of go. your brain, right? It's the iTunes wheel of your brain. A was the first thing to come up. But you know that now I got to go exactly. see. Exactly. When when I first started uh, dating my wife, it was outside of Christmas time. But one of my favorite albums is the Motown Christmas album, and she thought it was it was just like hilarious during like in July. Like Jackson Five would be, like, oh, a little Christmas tree. All that stuff would be playing uh, in the mix, <laughs> along with like death metal. All right, Calvin. Hey, man, thank you so oh, much. No. <laughs> hey, thanks you so much for joining us today, and uh, best of luck with with Warner and on your new career here, and with your wife, man. Enjoy the team drive. Thank you, thank you. Wow, peace, Calvin. Yeah, good stuff. Great to have him on. Uh, now we're going to move into a little tougher territory, though. So let's just, we were going to yeah, raise the beginning of the show. Let's just get through this little news story real quick. Then we'll talk to Nicole. We'll get her side of it. We also talked to uh, one other gentleman. I have some clips from my from from what he had to say. And then we'll read the statement from, from Blue Grace, right? Yeah. So former employees have accused Blue Grace of racism and leadership failures. Former Blue, former Blue Grace logistics employees are sharing stories on social media and with the press alleging that Blue Grace management fostered a hostile work environment that tolerated racism and intimidated employees who spoke out about it. Blue Grace logistics, as you may know, is a Tampa, Florida based freight brokerage. Concentric, uh, cons- concerned on the uh, less than truckload freight, it reported gross revenues of $368 million in 2019. Nicole Scroggins, the woman who brought the allegations to light. She said she wants Blue Grace to be held accountable and she wants the company to do the right thing by supporting all of its employees. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so Scroggins, who worked in the billing and collections at Blue Grace headquarters, initially posted an Instagram on Instagram her story of two incidents that happened while she worked at Blue Grace. Scroggins, who is who is black, was responsible for collecting uh, payments from shippers for certain sales representatives. Scroggins and her payment resolution team forwarded their sales reps on social or followed their sales reps on social media to stay in touch and get to know them better. What she saw in January 2017 shocked her. One of her sales reps in Chicago had tweeted a photo of himself at work in blackface the previous October. What was worse, the sales rep used official company hashtags and other Blue Grace employees and executives had liked the and retweeted this tweet. Yeah, so let's get the story from Nicole. We'll dial her up, her up now. We'll get that other interview on here, and then we will read the statement that Blue Race had put out as well. So let's dial Nicole yeah, that up. That sounds good. Oh, she's doing a really nice, really nice young girl. I was texting with her before we went on the air. Nicole Scroggins, thank you so much for for joining Dooner and the Dude today on What the Truck. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Yeah, it does. Hey, Nicole, it's Mike Vincent. Nice to nice to meet you. We've been chatting a little bit uh, through LinkedIn this morning as well, Dooner. So, yeah. And then we caught wind of we caught wind of the story. I saw it on Instagram. One of our reporters had noticed just from the Instagram post that people were commenting that were corroborating the story. So. They looked in the investigation. There was there was some really bad news. But can can you introduce yourself uh, and the situation to us? How long were you with Blue Grace? What what happened, Nicole? Absolutely. So I um, I was hired at Blue Grace in March of 2014. 
Um, I did a year in sales. I was hired to a year in sales and was let go from sales about a week or two past my anniversary date. Um, they actually called me back and asked me to come back to Blue Grace for a different role about a month later. Um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I feel like I should have known that then that a company, you know, if they can't see your values and you probably just need to move on. But I did go back. I joined them back June of 2015 and stayed until I was offered another position at another company in February of 2018. So all in all, about four years. Right. So can you, can you, uh, so you were there for about, for about four years. Uh, uh, I guess you were gone once there in, in the very beginning, but came back. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about the, the incidents that, that you were posting about? Sure. Um, I mean, the article um, that was written actually did a really good job of quoting the emails that were sent back and forth and giving the play by play of what happened to me. Um, I think the key takeaways there are, First and foremost, not one, but two white men um, went to work at Blue Grace that day in blackface. Um, if you do a simple Twitter search of the Blue Grace 2016 hashtag, um, even as re- recent as last night, there are still pictures and videos up of these two individuals um, that are posted online under the company hashtag on these people's business Twitter accounts. Um, as an employee of Blue Grace, we were all you know, strongly encouraged to use social media, have Facebook, have Twitter, have Instagram dedicated to our Blue Grace business. So, you know, essentially representing the brand. And so, you know, they were, they did this, they celebrated it, and no one at their office in Chicago spoke up about it. And no one said anything at any point to check these men. Um, so that's what happened. And then when I saw it, when I got involved, um, I was just scrolling through my Twitter feed. I saw it. I, you know, couldn't believe my eyes. So I asked some coworkers who were also women and men of color. And I was like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? Is this really real? Um, and they all agreed. It was, it was very clear. It was blackface. It was very clear that this was something that was liked and retweeted and, you know, sent out through the internet to all sorts of people's eyes that this is something that's now representing Blue Grace. And we, you know, to collectively, we were all, you know, at a loss for what to do. And I just decided that for everyone, I just needed to bring it up. I needed to say something. And so I brought it to my HR team and my CEO, to where Sean Butler was the head of HR at the time and Bobby Harris, the CEO. And rather than, you know, taking ownership of that issue and the responsibility for what was posted, you know, through that business hashtag and is representing my company that I work for to my clients. Um, instead of taking that responsibility, they really just tried to distance themselves from any sort of responsibility. I was told via email and in person that they can't control what people say and do on their on their Twitter account, their personal account, and they can't dictate what is and what isn't offensive which was completely shocking for me because at the end of the day, these are the men that are supposed to be responsible for, you know, my happiness in the workplace. These are the people that are supposed to protect me from situations like this. And they just, they did nothing about it. Um, And I was terrified. 
Yeah, well, the statement there that they can't do anything about what people do on social media. Yeah, I mean, every corporation faces that, right? I mean, people can post whatever they want, but what you can control and what leadership can control is what happens after somebody does one of those infractions, right? And I know that in the article, and, and you've mentioned that you went and you talked to the CEO of the company and you talked to management. What happened then? Because you described it as almost being beaten down. It was awful. Um, without going into too much crazy detail, basically it, it's like your worst nightmare. It's, you know, you bring something that you didn't do. You had nothing to do with it. All you're doing is saying, hey, I've seen a point out that this is wrong. And how I ended up in Bobby's office was I was told by Sean Butler that he was like, you know, this is wrong. I agree with you. Let me talk to Bobby. He's actually going to come and find you. He's out of town right now. But when he comes back into town, he's going to come find you and talk to you. And I was like, okay, cool. So I let it go for a few days because I thought that they were working on it. You know, um, Bobby came back to town, came back into the office, was walking around the office as he did. And, you know, I didn't say a thing, nothing. And so it wasn't until I sent my final email where I was very passionate. And, you know, I, I tried to speak as clearly as possible that this has not been resolved to my satisfaction and to the satisfaction of my other coworkers. What are we going to do? And at that point, that's when Bobby stepped in and said, oh, you wanted to talk to me? Let's talk. And I had to correct him. I said, I'm not the one that came looking for you. I was told that you were going to come find me. So either way, I ended up in his office. Him and Sean are in there. I'm sitting down. Bobby's standing. If you've met Bobby, if you've seen him, you know how tall he is. He has a big, deep voice. And he was he just laid into me. He laid into me about how I was disrupting business at this point by continuing to, to push the conversation and to push the issue. And I knew when I reported it that that could be a consequence, but I didn't expect it to unfold in the way that it did. And he really laid into me, was yelling at me, telling me how, you know, he's Cuban, so he's not a racist. and he can't dictate, you know, what's offensive and that, you know, if, if I thought that he was going to be the person to apologize and, you know, come, come to me and kiss my ass, that he's not that guy. Those are words that came out of his mouth. Wow. And I'm sitting there as an wow. employee thinking, you know, this is, this is a person that I admired, that I looked up to. He's done a lot for the community, quote unquote. He's, he's on the surface. It's the absolute perfect culture for someone like me. I'm an outgoing person. I love to have fun. I care about people. And on the surface, Blue Grace tells you that it's this idyllic culture in which all ideas and all thoughts are taken into consideration and people care. But that's just not the case when you try to put that, you know, into the context of the situation, as well as multiple other people's stories and their own personal experiences. Nicole, you have a lot of support in the comments. Uh, in Inia, Inia T, she says, we both know this is 100% true amongst this and others. Ketone Brown, she says, I don't even have time to discuss how many racist things I've come across. And uh, Inia says, I'm glad you're speaking out to open the door for all of us. So, you know, a lot of people are, are happy that you're starting to bring these conversations out because even beyond just Blue Grace, just industry-wide and even beyond logistics, 
I think we've proven time and time again in America, there are not great inroads for people who are grieved on both race and on on sex. How many women have come up with with sexual allegations as well? And it's minimized. And you experience that as well, that minimization where someone is saying something to the effect like you're just being disruptive. You know, we can just handle this within this room, even though it could be a greater indicator of a systemic problem. Yes. Instead of the systemic problem being the issue in this situation, I became the problem when I called it out. Um, you know, it was, like you said, in regardless of the industry, there is a need for people to be responsible. And it's up to all of us to make individual choices. And it just, I, I'm glad that there's so many people being supportive, but we have to do the work. We can't sit behind our posts and our retweets. We have to do the work. And that means, unfortunately, Amen. some of us are going to get a target on our back because we're going to tell the truth. Amen, Nicole. Couldn't couldn't see it better myself. You know, we had that conversation, and and it. So, we we talked about this. And you talked about we have to do this work. It, it, we're not just talking about like yourself, a, a woman of color who was who was uh, discriminated against or felt threatened th- through racial slurs or or the blackface as you, as you described this, but it's also up to myself and others. Even if we talked about this earlier a little bit on on LinkedIn, even if you're not part of the problem. It, it is your responsibility to to assist in correcting this problem. Just sitting back and saying, well, I'm not the issue and I don't see it on a daily basis isn't good enough, is it, Nicole? It's not. It's really not. And I heard it put very, very eloquently that, and hear me when I say this statement, it's a privilege to be able to learn about racism and systems of oppression and misogyny as opposed to actually having to experience it. It's a privilege to just learn. So I think that in doing the work, acknowledging that, you know, we can distance ourselves all we want from the things that happened in the past, but every single one of us that's alive on this planet today is a direct result of the things that have happened in the past. And unless we examine that and look at it and say, this is where we messed up. This is where we can improve. Nothing is going to change. This will continue to happen in other other countries. This is not going to go away until we start really looking at ourselves and what we as individuals can do. Nicole, you're such a you're such a well-spoken person on this topic. Do you think you could like, how how would you like to see Blue Grace and other companies change moving forward? What can we all do to be a, a little bit better? I mean, on our end, we're trying to give a platform to this. And on your end, you're you're having the bravery to share the story. You're inspiring people in the comments here. But what, what can we do overall to just be better? Everyone's looking for answers. It's, it's hard to say what what we can do, you know, what everyone can do. I think that just acknowledging it, the first step to solving any problem, and they'll tell you this in every cell training you go through, is the first step is acknowledging that there is a problem. If, if we can accept that it's no longer acceptable to be simply not racist and that it's everyone's civic responsibility to be actively anti-racist, there's nothing that can stop us. You know, this is just one example. It's everyone's responsibility. But I think that, you know, there are companies that are coming out vehemently denying and rejecting these notions that there are some people that are inherently better than others. And they're taking steps not only to raise awareness and, like you said, give a voice, amplify the Black voice and let people tell their own stories. They're actually taking the time to think about their employees' mental health. 
we know coronavirus ha- is happening. It's a pandemic. We're not working from home. We're working at home in a time of crisis. And the Black Lives Matter movement has been happening since before the blackface incident happened and with Blue Grace. And in order for us to change the narrative and, and for things to improve, we're going to have to look at ourselves, take that mental health check and say, am I taking care of my employees? Am I making sure that they have access to counseling, to therapy, to whatever they need to get them through this time? Am I forcing them to go back to work too soon? All of those things have to come into play. And as leaders, it is your responsibility to reflect your your employees, to reflect your demographic, and re- represent the actual very best in the field. So as a leader and in a leadership position, if you can't stick up for your employees, if you can't be there for them, you don't need to be in a position of power. You don't need to be in a position of authority. And I think it's up to us and up to everyone to really investigate what's happening and Mike and Blue Grace and what all these companies are doing and really ask the question, who sits on your board of directors? Is it a, is it a diverse board? Yeah. Is it going to be indicative of a culture that you're trying to cultivate? Is it really accurately representing your employees? And that to me is like, that's the easiest thing that you can do because all you need to do is go on Amen. LinkedIn. Yeah. Nicole, see who the C-level employees are. You, you really showed to us at least what leadership is, especially on this topic. We really appreciate your bravery on this subject. We do have to get to one more interview and, and Blue Grace's statement on this, sure. but we really appreciate you taking the time to share this with us and to share this with the audience. Uh, your, your leadership and commentary, I think, is inspired and is probably going to help some people get through experiencing similar situations. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much, the Nicole. continues. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. We have, so we have one more here. This, a, a gentleman by the name of Selwyn Baptiste, he had worked with Nicole back in 2016. He was with Blue Grace for several years. I dialed him up and I had a conversation with him. And here's a little bit oh. about what he had to share in regards to that. What was your experience at Blue Grace? My experience was, uh, you know, with the, some of the times it was like the, uh, it was the racism, you know, in a way. Um, they, they basically, you know, like they, they would disqualify a lot of us or, kind of like just say things as if, uh, how can I systematically say things like, oh, this is, this is just a process, trust process, you know, um, like for job, you know, like say a position, you want to go to position. I came in to do marketing. They didn't have a marketing team. Um, they said, well, we can get you into sales. So they put me in sales and I said, okay, well, I'll learn sales position. So I, I was working there for about three years. They kind of treated me a little different. They, uh, um, maybe probably because of my size, who knows, but you know, I didn't get the type of jeering and the teasing like that, but I have heard so many, you know, even though against the Latinos, they brought Latinos in. Um, we had a guy, Mike Brown, he would make, he would make jokes like, uh, uh, they'll be on the phone speaking Spanish and they'll go, K-K-K-K-K-K-K, you know, real loud. So like the customer can hear him say, you know, like make fun of, of, of somebody speaking Spanish on the phone. Like, and I was like, I was like, dude, Mike, that's, that's rude, man. You know, and, and, you know, talking to him about it, he's like, oh, it's not like I haven't been to HR before, big dog. And nobody does anything about this stuff. It's just stuff that they do. And they, 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 they kind of can it up as they're playing, you know, but it's, it's ethically offensive to the people that's there. And it's always against, you know, you know, either, you know, Latino or black because, you know, that's who comes in and that's who they choose to have the fun with. 
I think what really took me, what really got me about it was that it seemed like Bobby sincerely, when the, when a company, I first started there and it was a little bit smaller, Bobby was very personable with everybody and knew everybody. But when the, when the, the injection of the money came and they started to do this hyper growth, they just wasn't, the HR wasn't prepared for the diversity. It just wasn't, just the, the whole culture wasn't prepared for the diversity and things just, you, things just got out of, got out of hand. Part of that friction, you know, led into a lot of the, the racism and the sexism that happened, you know, um, and the, the, you know, that's another thing too. I'm surprised the sexism didn't come out, but you know, that was, that was blatantly everywhere <laughs> in blue race. You know, with the VPs, you know, the fraternization with the VPs and the new young girls that come in and, you know, and if you, you know, you rub somebody a certain way, you would see somebody come in and they was working in a department and they'll get moved to another department probably like two weeks later, <laughs> you know, and that's how they solve their problems. They just move somebody to another department. Wow. Yeah. I mean, more more tough words. We did get Warburg Pincus, the, the private equity firm that owns a controlling interest in Blue Gray, said, we take these allegations very seriously and support a full investigation and response. Warburg Pincus has always been committed to the highest standards of diversity, equal opportunity and inclusion. We do not condone any behavior that compromises respect in the workplace, either in our firm and others. And uh, Bobby Harris said, as the CEO of Blue Grace, I do not tolerate bias or mismanagement of our employees of any kind, whether race, color, age, or sexual orientation. You can read that full article on FreightWaves.com. Thank you so much to Nicole Scroggins, Craig Fuller, everyone else who came on today. Uh, Nicole, especially for her bravery to speak. You can follow him at Vincent the Dude on Twitter or look up Michael Vincent. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R on the Twitter or look me up on LinkedIn. Keep the conversation going on. If you have more stories like this, feel free to, to share them with us. They can be cooperated and we can help the industry. We're more than happy to shed a light on this. Thank you to everyone in the comment section for, for joining us today. Dude, anything, anything else to say, man? Uh, just, just thank you to the both of them for coming on and talking about this stuff. And, and, and really the point that I just want to make in, in all of this is in addition to the great ones that they said is that even if you're not involved, you need to speak up. This is what's going to make the difference. The people who are being discriminated against or those that are doing the discrimination are involved that, that, and that will help the solution. But in, when we stand up and start saying, I see this happening and, and demand it an end. That's when real, real solutions start to happen, in my opinion. Amen, man. Peace and love, as you always say. Peace and love. Peace and love. Have a great weekend, everybody.